0: All right, I'm going to sing something. If you know it, sing along. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, then you're... If you're happy and... There you go. Well done, everybody. We are in our series called Happy. We have been talking about joy over the last few weeks, and I love that song. I was kind of singing it as I was writing my notes, and the line in there, if you're happy and you know it, well, your face should surely show it. (laughs) That's what we've been talking about Um, so often. We have the best news in the whole world, don't we? We have Jesus Christ, we have the word of God, we have salvation, we have every resource that the Holy Spirit offers us. Our face should surely show it, right? Um, Sometimes that that all of the things that we have that God has given us, it doesn't translate into us being joyful, happy people. Um, Sometimes people would say, well, Christians, they seem kind of crabby and offended and maybe a little angry. And if we're happy, if we have the joy of Christ in us, It should show in our lives, in our countenance, in our attitudes, in the way that we love and serve others. And so we have been talking for the last few weeks um, about this idea that happiness is an outward expression of an inward joy. It's what happens on the outside when what is inside of us is full, and that comes from Jesus, that he fills us up. Last week, we talked about um, John 15, 11, that Jesus said, I'm telling you something so that your joy may be full, and we talked about the idea that full meant crammed in, and Jesus said in John chapter 15, if you are locked into me, if you are have your eyes fixed on me, if you are attached to me, then you will be filled with joy. And then you love others. And if you do those two things, if you stay connected to me and you pour out yourself for others, you will be full of joy, connected uh, to God, loving others. You will have joy. And so I gave you an assignment last week, right? Do you remember? Did you do your homework? I'm kind of a teacher at heart, and so you're, I love you all that are looking at your spouse like, was, was I supposed to do something? I told you to connect with God and to love others, to be purposeful about it, and to see if you were happier this week. Did anybody do it? Yes. Were you happier this week? Yes. See, it works. John 15, word of God will stand forever. All right. So today I wanted to get a little more practical practical about how we can lead happy your lives because in all things in all areas of our lives God does his part I mean he is got joy he is willing to pour it out into us that is without question there is enough joy God is love he is peace he is joy he has all of the things but we have a part to play right? We have to participate in those things. God is not going to take over your body and force a smile on your face. It's just not going to happen. I mean, wouldn't that be funny if, like, God was like, you need to smile, and you're just kind of like, whoa, that just happened spontaneously, right? He's not going to take over, seize your tongue, and make you start laughing. He has promised to fill you with joy beyond your circumstances, beyond all the things you're going through that will overflow into happiness, but you have to participate in the process. There are things that you and I can do to help us experience more joy in our everyday lives, and I want to talk about a few of those things today. I've been reading this book. Um, I think it's the best cover ever. That's The Shape of a Brain. It's called This Is Your Brain on Joy. It's by Dr. Earl Henslin and he is a psychologist and counselor who utilizes brain imaging in the treatment of his psychiatric patients. So he goes in and he scans brains and he looks at what areas of the brain are over-functioning or um, under-functioning to help treat his patients. And he studies the five mood centers of the brain and the practical results that happen when any one of these mood centers in the brain isn't functioning properly. And scanning his patients' brains has helped him to see what parts of their brains are overworking, what parts are underworking, and this imaging can help him determine what's going on in their brain, because what's happening in in the brain chemistry can affect everything from depression, to anxiety, to anger, to fear, to an inability to connect with others, a lack of productivity, and any other number of symptoms. It's a fascinating book, and I highly recommend it. You can borrow mine when we're done with this series. Um, Fascinating book, and one of the main purposes of the book is that there are certain things that he talks about that you can do to strengthen those mood centers in your brain. There are certain activities that you can do to help Boost the productivity of each of those centers. And he gives hundreds of examples of ways to increase joy in your brain. And it's a faith based book, so he talks a lot about spiritual practices as well. But he categorizes these practices in three ways enriching your outer world, enriching your inner world, and enriching your body and mind chemistry. Here's a quote from the book He says, When you really grasp the fact that our brain is literally shaped and changed by our experiences, inner or outer. It upsizes the sense of control that you have over your own happiness. What you choose to do, think about, surround yourself with, and put in your gullet make a difference. It all matters to your experience of joy on the planet. Today I wanna talk to you about that first idea. If we want to increase the joy and happiness in our life, the first thing we need to do is to enrich our outer world, to look at our environments, to look at the things surrounding us. If we want to be happier, we need to take a look at our, the activities that we're doing, our surroundings, our outer world, and make changes where we can to increase our joy. And so I am going to give you a very profound point. If you're taking notes, you're gonna to wanna to write this down. Very profound. If you want to be happy, you need to do more things that make you happy. I know, big, deep, right? I'm going to say it again. If you want to be happy, you need to do more things that make you happy. Now, that sounds very logical, but let's be honest. This is the real world, right? This is the, we live busy lives. Many of us spend so much of our days absolutely just checking off boxes, Just getting stuff done, right? We're locked into routines. We have to be here. We have to do this. We are just going through our days just trying to keep our heads above water. A lot of us are exhausted and tired and overspent. We're filling our days with things that literally suck the life out of us. They are literally just depleting us over and over again. And we spend very little time doing the things that enrich our body, mind, and soul. I want you to think about how often... You actually are purposeful about doing things that you enjoy. A lot of times we never get around to the things we love, the things that we enjoy, the things that make us feel alive and happy. And I believe this is not how God wants us to go through our days. I don't believe the life that he has for us is a life that's just checking off the boxes. You just get up. The, remember that old commercials, time to make the donuts. Time to make the donuts. Just going to get up, go to work, get the kids where they need to go. Oh, get the kids to bed so that I can think. I have five seconds to feel like a human. Check Facebook. Go back to bed. Time to get up again. That is not the kind of existence that God has for us. And I know that because John 10.10 10 tells us that Jesus said, I've came, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly. God wants us to have an abundant life filled with joy and purpose. And God wants us to have full abundant lives. And in order to do that, we have to participate in creating a life that includes abundant life-giving things. So I want to look at a little scripture that gives us some foundation for this today. And it's in Nehemiah chapter 8. So if you want to turn there, uh, we're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 8 today. And this is one of the most famous uh, scriptures in all of the Bible. It's on plaques everywhere. If you look at a lot of people's house, If a Christian bookstore, you're for sure going to see Nehemiah 8.10 somewhere. And that scripture says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. One of my favorite passages of scripture And yet today I want to go back and look at that scripture and look at the context of where that scripture is listed and what's happening in those moments when those words are uttered. So this is back in the Old Testament. Um, This is after the exile. So people's hearts, the children of Israel, their hearts had grown cold towards God. They had turned away from him. They were doing all the things that they wanted to do. And so God, in his sovereignty, in order to bring their hearts back to them, allowed them to be captured by the Babylonians. And they were carried off into exile. So they were sent away as slaves. And for for 70 years, they lived as slaves in another country. And when 70 years were up, God said the time has come for them to return home. And so they were freed and they all came back. And they were coming back. And can you imagine what that had been like after that long of being slaves? They were allowed to return to their homeland. About 50,000 people returned and began to establish a new Jewish community. The people settled into their towns and they're beginning to rebuild their lives. And Ezra the priest one day called all of the people together to come into the city. So all of these 50,000, they've settled all over the place. And one day he calls them all together and says, I want you to come into Jerusalem because I want to read you the scriptures. And the reason he did this is as the people began settling back again after the exile into their places, they started falling into the same behaviors that their ancestors had done. The very thing that had caused God to say, okay, you know what? I'm warning you. If you don't change this, I'm going to have to do something. And they started doing the same thing. They started worshiping other gods. They started worshiping idols. They started intermarrying with other people, which God had told them not to do. And so they're starting to dip their toe in the same things that had happened to their ancestors, those same behaviors. And so Ezra the priest calls them all together, and he he says to them, I'm going to read you the scriptures. And so it says in um, Ezra and Nehemiah that he gathered, he stood on a big uh, platform in front of them, brought out the book of the law of Moses, and he began reading it to them. It says that he began reading from early morning until night. And the people were listening intently. He would read... And then he'd stop and explain the passage to the people. Do you understand what this is saying? Just very carefully making sure they understood it. They were hearing the stories of their ancestors. They heard about all that God had required of them. They were noticing how their ancestors had fallen short and seeing themselves in that moment. And it says that the people fell on their faces. They started weeping and crying and repenting. They were realizing, what are we doing? We're making the same mistakes those of us, those that went before us made. And it was just this big solemn moment. They fell on their faces. They were weeping. They were worshiping God and they were repenting and saying, God, please have mercy on us. And it says that the people were so moved that they just lied there repenting. And this is the context in which we find this scripture. So now I want to read to you Nehemiah 8, starting back at verse 9 and going through verse 12. It says, Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were interpreting for the people said to them, Don't mourn and weep on such a day as this, for today is a sacred day before your, the Lord your God. For the people had all been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. As Nehemiah continued, Go! And celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the Levites too quieted the people telling them, hush, don't weep. For this is a sacred day. So the people went away to eat and drink at a festive meal to share gifts of food, and to celebrate with great joy, because they had heard God's word and understood them. This is interesting to me, because what does Nehemiah tell them to do? Wipe your eyes, get up off the ground, and go have a party, right? That's essentially what it says. Get up, wipe off your face, go find some really good food, find some sweet drinks, get with the people you love, enjoy yourself, go have a party. Now, I find this very interesting because if I was Nehemiah and these people were messing up again, I think I would say, you stay right there. (laughs) Yes, good. I'm glad you're crying. You should be crying. You should be. You guys are about to mess this all up again. So you just stay right there. You keep that mournful, sad spirit. You keep that... Oh, we're never going to, you know, I can imagine they were feeling overwhelmed. How in the world are we going to not fall into the same trap as these people? And if I was Nehemiah, I think I would say, you just stay like that. You stay sad and crying and all of those things. But that's not what he did. He said, get up. Wipe off your face. This isn't a sad day. This is a good day. Now go and be with the people you love. Go have a party. Go enjoy yourself. Why? Why? Because the joy you feel in that moment, that's going to give you strength. That's going to give you strength. I find that amazing. I love it. He told them that the joy they would feel as they ate, drank, remembered, celebrated, gave gifts, that these things would bring them joy. And that through these things, God would give them the strength that they needed he said those moments, those moments of celebration will infuse your heart and mind with the strength you need to live your life as a new creation. To remember all that God has done and who you are in him and all that he has given you. Doing these things with, that bring you joy will infuse strength into you. Spending time with those you love will fill up your heart and remind you how God has blessed you. I think this scripture reminds us that engaging in real life, soul-satisfying, joy-bringing moments with the people that we love in our lives will be the very best tool to strengthen our spiritual and mental fortitude. Some of us, the very best thing we can do to begin to experience more strength in our lives is to be pers- purposeful about engaging in more joyful activities, more things that bring joy to your heart. So if we wanna be happy, we need to do more things that make us happy. So my question for you today is what makes you happy? What do you enjoy doing? What makes you feel alive on the inside? Is it being with certain people? Is it an activity? Is it being out in nature? When you're out in nature and you're looking at all of God's beautiful creation, is it reading? Is it playing a sport or running? not my thing but it might be your thing God bless you if it is um we were just at a marriage retreat last week and it was up in northern Wisconsin and Jeff did a breakout with the guys and most of them were were you know older guys who are retired and so Jeff asked them the question what do you guys like to do you know just for your own enjoyment and they every Jeff goes every single one of them I love my garage. (laughs) I love my garage. I'm in my garage. I'm building things. I'm fixing things. You know, what is that? Maybe it's creating something. Maybe it is solitude or quiet moments. Maybe it is spending time with the people you love, going out for a nice dinner or being with your friends and family. Um, I was thinking about this. We got a new dog about a year ago last Christmas. We got a new puppy, and her name is Millie. And she is super sweet, and I love her. And I remember... We got her and she would wake up really early for a while, you know, because we're potty training. And so I would get up with this little puppy and she loves to play with a frisbee. And so I would get up early and I'd make my coffee and everybody would still be asleep and I would take my coffee and go outside and throw the frisbee for Millie. And she would run and get it and then bring it back to me and run and get it and bring it back to me. And this just became my morning routine. And after about a month and a half of doing this, at first I was like, "Who's it's early. Wow, I'm out of the baby phase. Now I have a puppy to get up with. And about a month and a half into it, I woke up one morning and I was like, ah, I'm going to go play with Millie. And I woke up. I jumped right out of bed. And that afternoon when, when I was talking to Jeff later, I just said, I cannot believe how much joy that dumb dog is bringing to my life. It just seemed like such a silly little thing, this silly little thing. But you know what? It just became something that every morning I just found myself smiling and laughing. And I don't know what that is for you, but what brings you joy? What makes you happy? It can be a small thing. It can be a big thing. I think a lot of times we think of, well, of course it's the cruise to Cabo that will make me happy. Well, that's nice, but that doesn't happen all the time. What little things in your life bring you joy and make you happy? Make time for those things. God created you. He gave you those desires. He gave you the things that connect to you. Some of you getting up early and playing with a dog, you're like, that's the worst thing ever I can imagine doing. But that's why we're all so different. And you have to figure out how God wired you to enjoy things. What is that? Uh, one of my favorite books is called The Sacred Slow by Dr. Alicia Britcholi, And she said this. For me, a few activities and disciplines have consistently saturated my soul with God's presence reading biographies of faithful Jesus followers, or walking on unmanicured woody paths, playing piano in an empty room, listening to classical music, or savoring silence. Once discovered, I actively pursue and protect these practices because they are reflective of how God architected me to know him. Do I experience all of these options every day? No. But with intentionality, I shape every day with the opportunity to experience at least one of those things. If we want to be happy, we need to make sure that our lives are filled with things that make us happy. Now, it's easy to come up with excuses. I know, man, it's busy, and you're just trying to keep your head above water. But sometimes you just wake up and find yourself so depleted, so depleted, and you think, when was the last time I did anything for the joy of it that I enjoy? Um, a few years ago, we just, our kids were little, we were busy, we had so much going on, and I was kind of in that season where I was just depleted. I felt like there were so many obligations, and one of my lifelong dreams was to sing in it with a jazz band. I just thought that would be so fun, and I had a friend who had a 30-piece jazz band, and he called me, hey, my singer um, is gone. Would you like to sit in? And I was thinking, this is so awesome, and immediately I thought, I cannot have time to do this in my life. There's no way. The kids need stuff. We've got this, 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 this. And I remember just feeling like, well, that would be fun, but it just seems like more effort to make it happen. Just the effort that it would take for me to do this thing, I don't know if it's worth it. And I remember just sitting and praying, and this all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just whispered this thought to my mind sing for joy. Just sing for joy. And I went and talked to Jeff about it. And this is one of the ways my husband is so amazing is that he always encourages me to go find those things. That's maybe a little self-serving because I'm happy. Everybody's happy. But he was so encouraging, right, to say, go. You should do it. You should do We'll make it work. Go do it. And, you know, for that season, it felt like the biggest indulgence to go and sing with these jazz guys. But it was so much fun. And I would stand there going, I can't remember the last time I did something just for fun just to enjoy it because my life was so filled with all of the obligations. I was never getting to the things that filled my heart with joy. We have to be intentional or we will miss it. Do what you love. Find things that you enjoy. So I wanted to give you just real quick as we're finishing up today, just a few other ideas that Dr. Henslin suggested in his book to enrich your outer life. So one of the things that he suggests is connectivity, this is actually number one in what science uh, scientists say will help people to feel happy, is being connected to other people. Studies have shown that areas of the world where generations of family live close to each other, they tend to have the happiest, uh, highest happy rates. They also typically have less cancer and heart disease, and this is without making any of our typical healthy lifestyle changes. It does not seem to matter how much these close-knit clans eat, drink, or exercise. The joy that comes from being part of a connected community is truly life-giving, often trumping the standard medical practice for longevity. Being connected with other people is a surefire way to bring happiness in your life. Happy connections where people support you and encouraging you. Now, this doesn't have to be your family. This doesn't have to be your family of origin. It can be a community of people. Support groups, AA, different groups that you can gather in. And this is why we have Homestead. This is why we talk about being a family here, because something happens when you are connected to a group of people and you know that there are people that love you and care about you and they're looking out for you. Something happens to us when we know that. It says that studies show the happiest people are those who routine, routinely volunteer to serve others, they're connected to other people, they're not isolated. And they tend to be the most generous, giving to charity. Happy people are connected to other people. I thought that was really interesting. Number two on his list, and I thought this was really interesting, and you might think this is the weirdest thing you've ever heard in church. One of the things he talked about is sense, And I wrote it down, so you're not like, like scents, like coins? No. Number two on the list of things that will make your brain happy were like good smells. Right? <laughs> Isn't that so funny? I found that super interesting. Basically, they said that pleasant aromas bypass the part of your brain that is thinking. It goes straight to your happy center. So basically, a good smell will make your brain happy before your thinking brain has a chance to shut it down. I thought that was so interesting. It was super high on his list of things that you can do to create a nice mood. Now... Some of you, that might mean just, Amy, some Axe body spray, right? (laughs) We were talking about how we just spray it around the boys' rooms (laughs) to make it smell better. But this is why comforting and happy scents make you happy, and aromatherapy and comforting scents are a very real way to enhance your mood center. That was not spiritual, but just for free for you today. Um, Another thing that he said is music. Music directly affects your brain chemistry. And the right kind of music can decrease stress hormones and increase your relaxation. Exercise. This is a really important thing that will help your brain produce happy things. Um, you know we, know, we have friends that just joined Lifetime again, and, and people were just saying, you know what, there's something about moving that just helps me feel better. I never enjoy the exercise part of it, but afterwards, there's just something that happens when you keep your body moving. It's just one of those things that can help. Exercise is proven to relieve stress and boost your mood. Another thing that he talks about the book, which is very important to me, is humor. It's humor. Um, having fun. Dr. Henslin says, take the opportunity to laugh at yourself at least once a day. It's really good for your brain to laugh at yourself. Have fun. This is probably reason number two other than he loves Jesus and he's really great of why I married Jeff Kerr because he entertains me all the time. He likes to have fun. He is fun. He likes to have fun with our kids. He's always doing silly things and crazy things and I love it. And it's such an important part of our family that now we tell our children when when you're looking at a future spouse, there's very important things that you look at. They have to love Jesus. They have to work hard, they have to treat you well, and they have to be funny. And we say, do not bring an unfunny person into this family. That is way up on, we, no unfunny people allowed on Christmas Eve. No, that is just not going to happen. This is just a game changer for us. But we need to have fun, enjoy things. Um, our daughter, Betty, was diagnosed with um, diabetes this fall. And right away, our family, I mean, this is a really serious thing, and we were all really upset and whatever, and the first thing Jeff did was walk into the hospital room where Betty was, and he had a little teddy bear that he bought in the gift shop for and he handed it to her, and he said, I'm going to call it and (laughs) And I was like... Okay, and from that moment on, we have called her diabetic. We laugh all the time. When we brought her home from the hospital, her siblings and our friends had covered the walls with posters of pancreases and all kinds of stuff. And, and like inspirational sayings like, you can do anything except make insulin. And sorry, your pancreas is broken. And it just became... We just had to laugh about it. And I know some people were like, oh, oh, my goodness, how can you laugh? It's a serious medical condition. I know. And it is serious. But you know what? Sometimes you just have to find the joy in the hard stuff even. And in our family, that's just how we attack stuff is, you know what? We're going to laugh about it, and we're not going to get so serious about things. We're going to just enjoy things. So humor is good for your brain. Have fun. Laugh more. Do things that are fun. Not only does this doctor say that and scientists tell us that, the word of God tells us that. In Proverbs 17, it says a cheerful heart, it's good medicine. A cheerful heart, that's good medicine. It's good for you to laugh and have fun. Things can get really heavy and serious. And God is like, hey, I have joy for you in the midst of even hard things. So humor is important. And the last thing that can enhance our outer world If I can get my page to turn. Is beholding beauty. Beholding beauty. Creating an environment that fills you with joy. Now that might be going out in nature and looking at something really beautiful. Psalm 8, uh, David says, when I look at the night sky and I see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have set in place, I think what are mere mortals that you should think of them human beings, that you should care for them. Sometimes just beholding something beautiful. That's what I lo- one of the things I love about Farmington. You can still see the stars. Sometimes I get out of our car and I look up and just think, oh, look at that. Take the time to do that. Sometimes, so often we're rushing in and we never stop to behold the beauty. I'm also really big about creating environments that make you happy, including your home including look at your surroundings. Is it something that you're like, oh, I just dread being in this room. I dread, you know what? Put a coat of paint on the wall. Do something to make it better. Surround yourself with things you love. It can go a long way to create beauty around you. Whatever that might look like for you, don't tell me that God doesn't care about our environments because there are a whole lot of chapters in the Bible where he goes into specific detail about the temple and the tabernacle. Everything from use this kind of wood to this kind of gold to this big incredible detail on what this environment was going to look like. And so that's an important part, beholding beauty. Make things beautiful. Make things around you gorgeous. Sometimes that means I just have to clean up my space. I just have to clean it up a little bit. I'm like, oh, I'm feeling so down, and I'll just think, you know what? I bet if I spend a few minutes just kind of creating a little less clutter around here, I think I would feel better. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do can just be to clean up your space, right? To bring more joy to your life. These are just a few ideas, but the bottom line is this. God is your creator, and he's the creator of all things. And he created you with unique things that bring joy to your heart. He filled the earth with beauty and laughter and joy for our pleasure. He tells us in his word, go, celebrate with the people you love, make really good food and sit around a table. Enjoy your friends. Enjoy your family. Do things that bring life and joy to your soul. He gives us moments to celebrate. And when we do these things, the joy we feel in those moments will infuse our hearts and minds with strength. I want to close with one last scripture. This is found in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 7 through 10. It says this. So go ahead. Eat your food with joy Drink your wine with a happy heart, for God approves of this. Wear fine clothes with a splash of cologne. Live happily with the woman you love through all the meaningless days of life that God has given you under the sun. The wife God gives you is your reward for all your earthly toil. Whatever you do, do well, for when you go to the grave, there will be no work or planning or knowledge or wisdom. God wants you to enjoy the life He's given you. If you want to be happy, do more of the things. That fill you with joy. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much that you care about our happiness. You care about our joy. You don't want us walking through life just checking off the boxes. But God, you have abundant, full, beautiful lives for us. Lord, we see it when we look at creation. You didn't just make one color a flower. You abundantly Provided so much beauty and variety for us to enjoy. And that's the kind of God you are, over and above, beautiful. And Lord, I just pray that we would live lives that are so over and abundantly full of good things that we can't help but smile, Lord, when we think of the faithfulness that you have shown to us. So, Lord, I just pray for everyone in this place. Lord, whatever that thing is, I just pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would just speak to them about one thing, one practice that they could engage in this week that would be a joyful activity. And, Lord, as they do that, I thank you that you will fill them with strength. Your word tells us the joy of the Lord will give us strength. And I pray that as they purposefully engage in those things that are soul-satisfying, that fill them up, that, Lord, in that moment they would sense your presence so close. That it would be a moment that they feel so deeply connected to you and how incredibly gracious you have been to us. So, Lord, help us to put these practices in place. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. And everyone said, amen.